This episode of the St. Paul Filmcast is dedicated to uh, my podcast partner, Dan. Uh, Without his love of cinema, I don't think I would be as obsessed with movies as I am. And his love of cinema is driving this podcast and got it going. So here's to you, Dan. We are back uh, with another episode of the St. Paul Filmcast. Dan's not going to be with us, but with us is Gidget from Retro Cinema. Hello, Gidget. Hello, Nick. How are you doing, mate? <laughs> Good. It's been such a long time. We've tried to figure out something we could do together so we can get on to do a podcast together, and we found a topic. Oh, we sure did. I'm I'm pumped. I'm so excited. Okay, <laughs> I've actually I, I'm so desperate. I don't know. I should have been. I did. I should have introduced you as Betsy Bellwood. <laughs> Miss Liar. Right. right. <laughs> so, um, uh, Gidget and I found a movie that we really like. Um, it's The Adventure of Sherlock Holmes' Smarter Brother. Um, it's 1975, and it's I believe one of the most underappreciated comedies out there. Easily, easily. This is, you know, obviously you watched it uh, when you were young. I watched right. it when I was young. Uh, but if I mention it, my partner had seen it as well. He's a big fan of this movie. But if you talk to most people about it, they've never even heard of it. So, yeah, it is really a hidden gem. And I'm so happy I get the chance to do this because, as you know, uh, the retro cinema podcast that I do with Angry Man, we just do 80s movies. Yeah. So when you approached me with this, I'm like, damn, I can't do this movie in our podcast. So when you approached me with this, I was like, yes, <laughs> so excited, so excited. So thank you for having me on, Nick. It's a real honor. I know. Well, it's been a, it's a long time in the making. We try to, it, it, like we said, we try to figure out some kind of thing we can get together and talk about. And this is, a, I, I think we've picked the best subject. Um when, Easily, I, yeah. I think it was going to be Pink Panther, wasn't it? Uh, initially, but I think we might have yeah. to. We'll we'll probably have to do that some other time because this. Yeah. One is, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, when do you, do you remember the first time you saw it? I do. I didn't go to the movies to see it because I was only five at the time. Okay. Um, so the first time I saw it, I think we rented it from the video store, and then uh, I my dad bought it for my brother and I. So that would have been the 80, early 80s was the first right. time I saw it and then just watched it over and over again. <laughs> I think it, it's one of those um, comedy movies that actually gets funnier the second time. Or oh, the definitely. Th- or the third time, you know. But yeah, I think the first time I saw it was probably early 80s as a kid and it was like a rental. And it's after I saw Young Frankenstein and then I saw this one and I kind of really – Enjoy this one a little bit more than Young Frankenstein. I don't know if that's particularly your order, but uh, for me, I it it's a one of my favorite Gene Wilder ones. Yes, I look, I completely agree, and I look, I love Young Frankenstein. I love Blazing Saddles, <clears throat> but at this at this, I relate this movie a bit the same as the Mel Brooks movies. So yeah, obviously, Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein, but a lot of people forget about High Anxiety. 
Oh, yes. Gosh, yes. And that's, that is a great comedy. And it's the same sort of vein. You know, there's, there's singing it. It's got wonderful – Madeline Kahn. I'm just the biggest Madeline Kahn fan. I really am. And we should say off the top of the game, none of these people are alive anymore. So it's a bit depressing, really, I isn't know the it? Only, I mean, Mel Brooks is, but he – I mean, yeah. other than doing the voice of the lion, the, the, that's <laughs> and then producing, everybody else is gone. It's sad. Yeah, and then and there was a lot of rumours around this or speculation that um, Mel Brooks wasn't happy about Gene Wilder breaking away and doing it, and it's quite the opposite. He actually encouraged him because obviously Gene Wilder wrote Young Frankenstein with Mel Brooks and was in Young Frankenstein with, of course, Madeleine Kahn and Marty Feldman. <clears throat> but Mel Brooks actually said to him, look, if you're going to write your own movie, direct it. He said, yeah. because if you if you give it to the hands of someone else, they're going to do something with it that you don't like. So he actually encouraged Gene Wilder, and as you said, his voice is in this movie just for that for that one moment. <laughs> right, yes, because um, yes, I think in, in, when Mel Brooks was doing Younger Frank Saint Gene was um, in the editing room um, asking questions about directing, and finally Mel's like, "You're going to direct a picture," and she's like, "No, I'm not." Yes, you are. Eventually, you are, and. This is what he picked. I think the idea came when they were doing Young Frankenstein of something a little bit like it, of kind of the same canon, a popular theme, but it's a, a sort of kind of like a old take on a different theme of a, somebody who's under the shadows of a famous person like Frankenstein and Young Frankenstein, and and him playing the younger brother of Sherlock Holmes. So it's kind of there's some there's some lots of similarities, aren't there? Oh, this, there is, and not only that. Obviously, they're both based. This is obviously uh, based on uh, you know Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes, mm-hmm. and the Young Frankenstein, of course, is based on a literary book as well. So there's so many similarities between this and Young Frankenstein. But I agree, this uh, Young Frankenstein's great fun, but this is just a total romp and for, for you know first time directing and and he wrote this as well he starred in it i think he produced it as well he pretty much did did the lot yeah. i think he did a really good job i was really you know i've watched it t- three times just of, over the last week yeah. and i the, the third time i watched it i really studied the directing style and i thought gee he did a really good job but as you said he was probably helped and encouraged while filming you know young frankenstein with mel brooks but yeah it just I, ca- I can't fault this movie i really can't no there's uh, you know if if you look for an heiress you're going to be difficult finding them I, it, the beginning and end it just runs very smooth Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it's very hard to say that it's a comedy. I. It's hard. It's mostly like a musical. It's a drama. It's a melodrama. And there are some funny bits. It's. It's hard to categorize just exclusively as a comedy. Yeah. Well, I find that with a lot of movies, a lot of people just like putting them in a box, and it's like, no, that's. It's a. There's a lot of facets to this. I mean, I always laugh at this movie. Like straight out of the gate, you get a laugh. You know, when when Lord Redcliffe is meeting <laughs> Queen Victoria, so it just kicks you, kicks you off straight away with a laugh. I, don't, I know you don't, you don't you don't swear on this, but what Queen Victoria says is not something that the Queen Victoria would normally say. <laughs> no, no, and it does it does the same thing as Young Frankenstein. It begins at as a shot of a, a fireplace, and then it pans the room, and I think that's kind of an homage to Mel Brooks, not really plagiarizing him, but an homage for Mel Brooks, like from Young Frankenstein. Designed the pan of the fireplace and then shot to the the pan of the room and then the the whole story kicks off. But yeah, yeah, I always, I always call that a hat tip. Yeah, it's like 
a little bit of inspiration, a little bit of a hat tip. There you go. You know, you've been my inspiration to go on and do this movie. And as I said earlier, Mel Brooks just encouraged him so much with this. So, and they're all great friends as well. I mean, I love the fact that he, he Gene Wilder basically wrote, he had such a great time working with Madeline Kahn and Marty Feldman. Uh, he really kind of wrote that for them. He just so wanted them in his movie. And then, of course, we can't leave out, you know, Leo, the great Leo McKern, who oh, oh. I, I feel very ashamed. I thought he was um, a British actor. He's not. He was born here in Australia. I, I yeah. know he's been in some Australian movies. I think he won an award. It was a great movie called Travelling North. It's a wonderful movie. Uh, but yeah, no, he's a, he's a he's an he's an Aussie lad. He just got got so much work over in England, and also we've got uh, Roy Kinnear, and yes. Roy Roy Kinnear uh, was obviously in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory with yes. Gene Wilder, and that's why Gene Wilder cast him because they got on so well. Um, the the wonderful, smarter than Moriarty sidekick, as remember, if I remember. <laughs> yeah, yes, I'm trying. I'm trying to see. I've I've written all my notes down, but I've got his name here somewhere. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but it, so, look, do you go through through the movie, or do, do we just sort of just kick back and have a general chin chat? I think it's best if we just do like a popcorn kind of thing. Just what because if you do it like a linear, it doesn't. I, I think it. I think I want to more entice people to watch it and rather just go from beginning to end. Because, Fair enough. Because the one thing I really want that was interest you and I is because I think it's so unappreciated. No, not a lot of people don't know this movie exists, and I think it's one of Gene Wilder's best. I, I completely agree. Yeah, it's if someone said to me to name your top Gene Wilder films, definitely this is in the top three. Right. That's that's how fond I am of this. And of course, it's uh, in, in Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock books. He didn't. Re I don't think he did have a younger brother. He obviously had his older brother. Right. <clears throat> but uh, and it was very interesting because you do actually have two two actors playing actually Sherlock Holmes and Watson, who's uh, uh, Douglas Wilmer and Thorley Walters. Cool. And they'd actually previously played – Wilmer had previously played Sherlock Holmes in the 60s on a BBC TV series, and the, the gentleman playing Watson had also been in three other Sherlock Holmes movies, Sherlock Holmes and the Deadly Necklace, uh, The Best House in London, and Silver Blaze. So these two actors were – pretty well experienced in the character of Sherlock Holmes and Watson. Yes, it's one of the nice things about it. I'm sure if you went to see the movie that you actually see people who actually used to play Sherlock Holmes doing another, doing the end in this movie. And you're like, oh, well, it really is Sherlock Holmes in this movie and Dr. Watson. And of course, yeah. there's a wonderful, with the cards playing and the, the person peeping and the, the wonderful skit of the Sherlock Holmes actually knowing what's going on. In fact, throughout the whole movie, um, Sherlock Holmes is manipulating everybody. He's he's it's like he's um he's watching his brother's back, isn't he? Right. Yeah. Like 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 when um Jenny is performing and and Sigerson, <laughs> who is Gene Wilder, he's not he's in the audience, he's not fully aware, but his brother Sherlock is in the front row and he's dis disguised, but of course he's always got his pipe, so it tells right. us that that that's him. Um, and he, he ends up throwing the sand that's falling onto the stage into his brother Sigerson's face so that he becomes aware. So he's always just there in the in the background. Right. And, and, oh, I did notice as well, which I'd never noticed before, you know when Sherlock and Watson get on the train to, to Paris and then they get back off again but they're in drag? Yes. The, the two women that they swap the clothes with that are still on the train that are dressed as Sherlock and Watson, uh, the one of the ladies, she's from uh, the Carry On films. Are you familiar with those? No. You, uh, uh, what, what, what are you referring to? 
It's a, a series of British movies, okay. uh, and it's the Carry On Cleopatra, Carry On Doctor. Uh, they're they're a, a wrought, I'd say. Oh. <laughs> they're, they're, they're they're comedy movies, but they're always very cheeky, and it's always got that double double entendre. But she, yeah. that that actress on the train actually is from the Carry On film, so for your British listeners, they'll know that, and probably Aussies as well. You know, I thought the whole train incident with Sherlock Holmes switching into women outfits, I thought it was a slight homage to com- comedy, uh, Some Like It Hot. Some Like It Hot. I thought the same thing. Yeah. Yep. Because even they, they talk about how, how they walk in this thing, which is a reference into Some Like It Hot. But that's a very nice thing. Carry on. I had no idea about that. Yeah. They're, they're, they were really big in the 60s and early 70s, and it was all that, you know, cheek, cheeky, <laughs> tongue-in-cheek sort of humor and a, and a little bit rude a little bit of nudity you know right. <laughs> but yeah no they, they, they were really good fun but um yeah I, I thought exactly the same thing i mean i love some like it hot it's one of my favorite comedies i think jack lemon and tony curtis are just dynamite brilliant yeah yeah dynamite yeah i don't know if you, i don't know if you knew but the name sigerson is a reference to um the old Sherlock books because after he confronts Moriarty in the this book, the final problem when both of them go off the cliff, um, Sherlock survives and he travels around the room, well, well, around the world using the alias Sigerson. Ah, so I think that I would, that. yeah, and then I think um, Marty Feldman's character's name is Orville Slacker. And I think that's a reference to Arthur Conan Doyle's – actually, the original name for Dr. Watson was Ormond Slacker. So it was kind of like uh, – I think Sigerson and Orville was kind of like running parallel with Sherlock and Watson. Yeah. that Yeah, that makes sense. And and how good is Marty Feldman in this? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got – He's got the only photographic memory for speech for any anything that anyone says he can remember, but he's got to keep smacking his head uh, so that he keeps remembering what what you know he's heard. He does that whole thing when he first meets Sigerson. Uh, he goes into that, he smacks his head, and he goes. Due to ill health, your brother has decided to take a short vacation in the country. Oh, not very long, two or three days at most. But he would very much appreciate. And then uh, Sigerson's constantly going uh, tea. Sugar? <laughs> so yeah, interrupting him. Yeah, he's going to smack his head again and go, yeah, bang. Due to ill health, your brother has decided to take a short vacation in the country. And I used to know that off by heart. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's authentic acting of Gene Wilder rubbing his forehead after he repeats for the seventh time the same thing over and over. <laughs> yeah, it gives him quite a whack, actually, doesn't right. he? But, you know, they're professional actors. They just carry on. <laughs> one of the nice things about this movie and one of the nice things about Gene Wilder, he loved other actors and characters to shine. And in this movie, he loved Marty Feldman and Madeline Kahn. Madeline Kahn has a wonderful singing voice. Exceptional. Uh, she, 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 she trained in uh, – I think she went to university and she trained in speech and and singing. And she certainly is a wonderful opera singer as yeah. we really get to see her talents shine in this movie. Um and I, I, I just love this. Oh, I mean, I love every part of it, so I, we can just right. gush the entire podcast. Yeah. I, I did actually find out that I was very interested to find out because obviously, as we've said, there's a lot of music in this. Right. Now, uh, he, Gene Wilder, and, and I remember this, this is 1975, there was no internet. So he 
it's very easy to like quickly just look up something now. But even with the internet, I actually found it quite hard to find out about a lot of the songs. But Kangaroo Hop is an actual song. You can go onto YouTube. It's sung by Billy Williams and it was recorded in 1913. Uh, Bessie Bellwood wow. was actually a real person. And that really cute song that Madeline Kahn sings is Jenny, that, you know, I've got the cutest little right. dimple in my cheek. Da, 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 da. Yes. Uh, that, is a, that is an actual song. It's called I'm Simply Crazy Over You, and it was from Gertie Miller. So, wow. But there's only one There's one recording on YouTube, and it's a guy, and he, I don't know how he found this record, and he, but it's the only, the only place I could find it. So I thought, oh, at least I know that was an actual song. You know, I, I, you think when you watch it that these, they're not a that you, the, the they had to come up for somewhere that the I I that's interesting that they found them. I've never really know that there's actually authentic, but thanks for doing that research finding these. This is actually interesting. <laughs> Well, so it's the least I can do because <laughs> I was interested as well. I was always very curious. I thought maybe Gene Wilder had written the the music. Right. Um, I couldn't find any information about the picky, 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 farmer's daughter, Phyllis. I couldn't find anything about that one. <laughs> well, true to the movie, you haven't figured out her full repertoire. That's it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> one, um, of the, one of the cute charms I have with Gene is you know the blowout is going to happen, and it could happen at any time. And he's so reserved that eventually it just pops out that you get a chuckle out of it when it pops out. That's one of the best, especially when he confronts Manilkan for the first time in this in this movie. Yes, the whole Miss Liar, as I said at the beginning. And I, lo I love when he introduced. I, I completely agree because you, you nailed it. it. Gene Wilder has a very controlled comedy style. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you look at the Waco Kid in Blazing Saddles. He never plays it up for the laughs. He's not a goof. Mm -mm. And the mistake a lot of com comedy actors make is they, they ham it. And there's no hamming of anybody in this movie. There's no ham acting. And, and that's probably what makes it so funny. And, uh, yeah, as you said, when Gene Wilder, when he does get stern, I call it. Right. You know. Right. Uh, was in the letter, Miss Hill. <laughs> right. When, yeah. he, when he starts going into that, it, it's it's particularly funny because he does angry really Beautifully, and and I, I and again Madeline Kahn's performing it in this. She, I mean, she, we should say her her character of Jenny Hill. She's an, a complete liar. Like I always think that I'm a bit of a liar, but she she takes the cake for lying. No, she lies <laughs> even if it doesn't benefit her. Right? She lies exactly. if right. She even lies if it makes it worse for her. Right? <laughs> yeah. And I, the one thing that I also uh, rewatching it, I never. I think in the eighties got the complexity of the story back then. You know, regarding as, you document. And I'm sorry to interrupt, Gidget, but I, I have to agree with you. As a kid, I didn't really care about the story. I there's, it works so well even as a kid that the story is like you know who cares. Yeah, that's it. And it's, yeah, only just rewatching it again. I thought, ah, oh, okay, I got a lot more of it. And the fact that, you know, the, I mean, obviously uh, at the beginning, a uh, Queen Victoria hands a document down. And that's the other thing I liked. You never know what's in the document. Right. It's almost like what's in the suitcase in Pulp Fiction. You never know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and But supposedly we're told it could start a, a world war. It's obviously worth a lot of money because, um, 
uh, Moriarty, who's played by Leo McKern, is trying to sell the document to a very high up Russian and a very high up Frenchman, and they're they're bidding on the document, and the, and it just keeps going up and up and up. Right. Remember uh, to move the decimal point two places to the right. <laughs> Yeah. That's, that's the other one. The, uh, the Moriarty character is meant to be this master mathematician, and yet he can't do math. I know. <laughs> Did you? I've never noticed before. But when we first meet Mor- Moriarty, and that, and the uh, what do they call him? The six foot two ugly murderer right, henchman yeah. type. Yeah, that, yeah. He goes. He goes to his office, and you know, uh, Leo McKern's doing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. He has a tick. Yeah. yeah, but if you look at the blackboard behind him, there's there's maths on the blackboard, and it's all wrong. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, honestly, I'm going to rewatch it again tonight. I think. <laughs> and I, I always kind of my, this is my little theory, and I've talked with other people. Comedy is a, literally kind of a base on of immaturity, of a little bit of sense of a little bit of sense of kids and juvenile and the idea that he can't do mathematics and he's doing it like a like a schoolboy doing the math and he's doing it all wrong it plays a, a certain fun to it you almost feel you almost relate to him as a kid yeah that's yeah. it that's a, there's a, there's a there's a goofy fun and there's nothing in this movie that i don't think kids couldn't watch right. like yeah, but and that's and that's another thing that I especially really noticed that I didn't necessarily notice when, in the eighties when I was a teenager, is just the, that pure chemistry between Madeline Kahn and Gene Wilder, and you know especially that that last any scene that they've got together, that I really think that you know Madeline Kahn we lost Madeline Kahn when she was only in her fifties it was so sad. Right, um, I know. And uh, uh, yeah, I think Gene Wilder was quite in love with Madeline Kahn. I know that Mel Brooks probably was as well. I think a lot of men were. But she didn't get actually married until two months before she passed away. She'd been with this gentleman for quite a long time, but they didn't actually get married uh, until, you know, her sort of her, her last lingering moments was just sad, and she never had children either. No. She, um, she made it very easy to fall in love with her, didn't she? Oh, so I'm in love with her. I you know. know. <laughs> we all, I <laughs> and mean, I don't, thing that way but i'm in love with her and especially as i said when she does that the cutie pie but uh, even even when she's doing the the opera at the end with dom deloise uh who plays gambetti (laughs) he's fantastic in this as well they all are they all just bring their a game in this movie but he's he's I, i love it he's he's the italian and uh i didn't know dom deloise actually is half italian he's italian american yes he is right yeah, uh, but yes, he plays Gambetti, this very over-the-top uh, opera opera singer, and they do this great opera at the 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 end. And this is when you really get to hear Madeline Kahn's full operatic, wonderful range. vocal range. Range, yes. And what well, we you know you talked we we communicated before we did this, and we're wholeheartedly convinced that especially the scene that. There, there's not acting. I think they generally had some love for each other, and especially I, that I, scene I, in the movie where they're gazing at each other's eyes. We, I don't think that really is acting either. I really think they had some genuine feelings for each other. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. And I think that's what makes it really, really work as well. And I love that bit where he goes to her 
dressing room and he suddenly figures out that he's got to sexually stimulate her to yeah. get her to try and tell the truth. And he does get some information out of her, but it's always bits bits of information. Like, you know, she, she says the, the character of John, John Le Monsieur, who's one of my mother's favourite actors, of course, uh, British people would know him from Dad's Army. Um, he's a Lord Redcliffe, and she's saying that that's her father, but it turns out that they're actually that's her fiance. But it, it all sort of still sort of spills out. But when when Jean Wilder's character and she's lying down and she's looking gorgeous as usual, and he just starts pumping her breasts <laughs> <laughs> like they're an airbag or something, and she's giggling. And I'm thinking, I think Madeline Kahn's genuinely laughing. Right, it's, it, there's a sense. It's supposed to be something not erotic. It's supposed to be something childish to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think the only thing you see is um, you see Gene Wilder and Marty Feldman's bottoms after they escape from the <laughs> saw room, <laughs> and they they end up at this very formal posh party and they've got suits on but what happened is they'd been trapped in a tunnel and it's like one of those old-fashioned saws that were meant to be chopped up yes but they they breathe in and the saw goes past them and then they go to escape they end up at this party and and they're dancing and everyone's very posh i love the conductor oh yeah he's got that (laughs) wonderful he knows what's going on but he's not going to tell anybody no, and I and I, th- I think he he obviously um <laughs> he's, he's that type, and he's doing the yoo-hoo with the with the hand, um, and yeah, they're dancing, and then turns out they can't see what's wrong with them because they're looking in the mirror front on, and then Marty Feldman puts his hand on Gene Wilder's bottom, <laughs> Gene Wilder puts his hand on Marty Feldman's bottom, and they realise that their bottoms are out because the saw had cut the back of their <laughs> tuxedos up, and may I say. Marty Feldman has a very nice bottom. He, he probably yes, I, I think he would agree. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually, when I was doing all my my checking, he was quite a ladies' man. Supposedly, the ladies loved him. I think it's something something about you know that he's he's well very well versed in comedy, right? Yes, I, I think com- people who do comedy, it's it's a wonderful aphrodisiac. Absolutely, and if you've got a sense of, I find it most like I couldn't be with anyone if they didn't have a sense of humour. And trust me, there are people out there that have zero sense of humour. Um, but I was like looking up about him, and he was actually he suffered from a thyroid disease, and he developed Graves' omoplasmopathy. Omo <laughs> I'm not even going to try to say that. I think you're seeing it right. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm dyslexic as well, so this is I'm I'm doing, doing as best I can. Okay. Um, so that caused his eyes to protrude and become misaligned. And he also was in a childhood. Uh, he was in a car crash. He was in a boating accident, and he also had to have reconstructive eye surgery, which may have contributed to his appearance. Because if anyone knows Marty Feldman, if you don't, Google him. Uh, his his eyes are quite protruded, and they point in different directions. But that seemed to, as you said, it but didn't seem to affect because you know if someone makes me laugh, they've they've got me hook, line, and sinker. So and Marty's comedy wasn't so much slapstick, but he was very he knew timing, he knew how about to be dynamic, and he knew to be very quiet. I mean, everybody thinks Marty Feldman's just all going to be physical. No, not necessarily. He knew how to do dialogue and timing and be very witty, especially with the T and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, when he, I forget what, oh, I should remember what happens, but something gives him a shock and he actually flicks the tea. He's drinking the tea and he flicks it all over himself, but it's in the background and, yep. and you only just sort of pick it up. But it's not, look, it's not surprising. He actually was the chief writer and script editor for the Frost Report from 1966 to 67. He also wrote a lot with John Cleese, Ronnie Barker, Ronnie Corbett, uh, pretty much all the Python people. He wrote a lot with them. Yeah. And uh, he was also the co-author of the very famous Four Yorkshiremen, Four Yorkshiremen sketch. Yes, and I believe he's the only person that says a line in the silent movie with Mel Gibson, and it's a, a swear word. <laughs> I thought it was Marcel Marceau. Oh, it was, oh, was it? Was it Marcel? Yeah, I think that's the whole comedy of, of it, the fact that none of them speak and the entire movie, the only person that says a word was the is famous the person mime? The mime. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to check on that. That's, it was just there in the back of my memory that I remember that was the comedy of it. It's the only person that talks is Marcel Masseau. That's right. Gosh, how could I – I thought it was – I'm getting my bearings. But, yes, you're absolutely right. It was Marcel Masseau. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> But the tea reference I was referring to is, of course, when he's boiling water and, and Gmail takes it to him and, you know, he doesn't. <laughs> That's because you can tell that Sigerson, he's trying to work out this very cryptic telegram that he's right. received, right? None of it makes any sense when he first reads it out. So he's trying to read too much into it and he's doing it all wrong. And that's when um, Saka, uh, Marty Feldman's character, says to him, oh, you know, have you, have you tried uh, the schoolyard grammar you yeah. take every sixth word or something like that. And, and, and Sigerson's saying, oh, do, you know, they're not going to be that immature and childish because, you know, hang on, I've got it written down here somewhere, what it actually says. <laughs> I've just I've just opened my page to you've got your All hand you on my... All you get is dress your, <laughs> dressing room 10, red rot. What is it? What is it? What's the code again? Uh, hang on. I've, I've actually... Yes, I've got it here. So, so he tells him to count off every third word. Right. So... Ends up coming out as dressing room ten theatre Red Lion Street, <laughs> and of course he's been outsmarted. So he just grabs the supposed tea off Saka, and of course all Saka's done is just poured the water, and he hasn't even started making the tea yet. <laughs> and it's it's just lovely little things like that. And yes, it's a very restrained performance, but he comes across as a very cool character as well, doesn't he, Orville yes. Saka? Oh yes, a, a very confident person, even when well. Especially with oh, the- they're in the carriages. Then he then he then he loses it and he starts just reciting British roads. Right. Have you ever <laughs> have you ever been in that situation where everybody is a surrounding annoying and Gene Wilder? You have the look like Gene Wilder does that you just want to get away. You just <laughs> yes, because 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 Madeline Kahn's character Jenny Hill because she's they're both frightened. <laughs> so she just starts going. Well, 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 and he's hitting his head, going, you know, Bond Street, da 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 da. Right, citing <laughs> and passages. And characters just like, right, I'm out of here. So, you know, <laughs> a lot of people will be listening to this, going, I don't know what they're talking about, but you'll know it once you watch the movie. <laughs> um, it's a, it's a, another thing I want to mention is there's a a lot of stunts in this movie. You have uh, Gene Wilder doing fencing with uh, Liam McKern. You have the very wonderful shot of the chair you have this carriage race and they're battling and so there's a, not just you know comedy of dialogue and slapstick but you have a lot of interesting stunts played as well absolutely and that's that's what i mean there's there's everything in this movie everything that you would want apart from this no nothing 
frightening in it, but everything else you've got it. And and I didn't know this about Gene Wilder, but um, Gene Wilder has was actually he was accepted into the Bristol Old Victoria School in Bristol, England. And after six months of studying fencing, Wilder became the first freshman to win the all-school fencing championship. He was also employed as a fencing instructor and a choreographer on stage plays. So that's how good he was. So he obviously wanted to get that in the movie. And when you see him fencing right there at the beginning when he first, first meets Orville Sacker, who gets right to get on the, the, the machine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then at the very end, he has a big sword fight with um, Leo McKern, Moriarty. Now, Leo McKern was also a very experienced fencer. So What? Was, really? Yes. Wow. Yes. Someone told me that on Twitter. When I was talking about it on Twitter with you, someone DM'd me and said, oh, not only Gene Wilder was an expert fence fencer, but so, so was um, so McKern. So it's fascinating thought- because, they, I, mm-hmm. you know, because they put them two together. And I thought it would – some scenes probably were stuntmen, but ha- they have to be authentically them throughout the whole scene. Yes. The, the only time I saw – Stuntman, like I think Gene Wilder pretty much did all that stuff on the top of the carriages with the whipping and the (laughs) – I always used to make my brother and I laugh when um, uh, Roy Kinnear's character, he ends up – they end up banging into these big – in, in, oh, in, yeah, the props. Those big- yeah, the, yeah, there's the big hand for gloves. So that's obviously a, a representation of a glove shop and then a big boot. But he gets knocked off the carriage and he's obviously a bit bewildered because he's been knocked off the carriage, but he puts just uses the big hand and he just goes, oh, taxi, because he's been booted in the nether regions. So mm-hmm. But my brother used to always do that. He used to walk around going, oh, taxi. When I was a kid, and my, I know my dad was going to go on to a work trip in New York, and I know a lot of taxis there. I, and I begged him, please, are you going to do it that way? Are you going to hail a taxi like that? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. So it's little things like that that, you know, you, you remember. And 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 I especially you know I I actually wrote that down because I just found it so funny especially listening to the lyrics now in the opera, they sing this great song Dom DeLuise and Madeleine Kahn do, do this sort of rival singing, and he actually sings you know you have to try my mama's you have to try my mama's cooking and Jenny sings <laughs> I don't want to and he goes just antipasto and then we hop into bed. <laughs> And that's where you get the line, you've got your hand on my wife's booby. <laughs> well, I mean, Nick, well, you and I could just sing the entire oh, yeah. movie. I, 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 yes, it's, well, especially the opera. And I, I think it's now time because we're almost halfway. But the introduction of the third act, right when Dom DeLuise crashes into his room and does his own performance and we're all eavesdropping, is one of the best beginning of a third act that you could ever have in a movie. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> but that's the thing. We've got all these wonderful – it's a, such a good cast, and they're all at the top of their game. They're all they're all really putting, putting in a fantastic performance. And as you said earlier, Gene Wilder let the people in his movie be funny. He didn't have that ego like, I'm going to be the funniest person in the movie, no. unlike a certain person, Mike Meyer. Um <laughs> Right, Mike Meyer. Yeah, I got to be. I, no, no, yeah, yeah. Um, but he—that's that's the key to a good let let people shine, like in Flying High or Airplane, as it's known. Um, everyone plays in that movie every their roles completely straight. Yeah, and that, 
that again is what makes it so very funny. But you know, Gene Wilder just let everyone have their own talents. You know, he really let. I, I was trying to think of another movie where Madeline Kahn sings so much, and she. This is. I think she sings the most in this movie, and he's just let her shine. Have let her talent shine, and just like he did the fencing. Just let people do what they're really good at, and you get a fantastic movie like this. And and Dom DeLuise, just classic. Yeah, I I you know actually you see Manicon perform like we talked about it before do a stage performance of a musical, and of course there's some danger involved. But she's it's a wonderful little like a movie inside of a movie that you get of her performing in a stage that you almost, and you see Jane Wilder fall in love with that character immediately just watching her on stage. And we all fall in love with her. But of course, it also reminded me when she was doing that, you know, I've got the cutest little dimples in my course, <laughs> yes. it's very famous, her playing uh, Lily von Stupp in Blazing Saddles, the I'm tired, tired of playing the game. <laughs> right. Who did, a, or did, who did a stage performance in Blazing Saddles, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, then, and then, of course, I think she's she sings a little bit in High Anxiety, but Madeline Kahn had done a lot of stage performing as well. I think she'd won, a, she'd won Tony. Yes, yeah, she award. did. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was, she was very busy. And as people said, she actually wasn't – people mistake stand-up comedians with comedy actors. There's a huge – Difference just because someone's very very clever as a stand up comedian doesn't mean they're necessarily good as a comedy actor and the other way around just because someone Madeline Kahn didn't do stand up no either did Gene Wilder I think Marty Filman did a bit but most Marty, of these Marty people is kind of like a sketch comedy yeah he won't do like yeah. by himself right that's it he was he was as I said he was always grouped writing with and he's also wrote with um Tim Brooke Taylor from the Goodies okay did you get that in America I. We probably did, but it missed my radar. Right. See, I'm very familiar with a lot of the, the British shows because that's pretty much all we got in the very early, late 70s, early 80s here in Australia. We mostly got all the, the British stuff. So Doctor Who, The Goodies, Kenny Everett Video Show, Benny Hill, Are You Being Served, etc., etc. And then it was sort of 82, 83 then we started to get, you know, the Waltons and, you know. Oh, the boring stuff? <laughs> Little House on the Prairie. I love that show. <laughs> um, but yeah, we started to get a lot of the American shows then. But we as Australians are very, very familiar. Faulty Towers, all that sort of thing. We're very familiar with all those shows. So yeah, Marty Feltman had worked with pretty much the the creme de la creme in the sixties and seventies of British comedy. So he was he was no slouch. No, and I before. Yeah. Before we, um, I want to mention there is a surprise cameo in this movie, and it's a, the accomplished actor Albert Finney. He's in the audience during the opera that Madeline Kahn and uh, Dom DeLuise in, and he just turns to the camera and says, "Is this rotten or wonderfully brave?" And somebody says, "Be quiet" or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the woman in front goes shush, tries to shush him, but uh, hey, Albert Finney, he's still with us. Yay! Yeah, we got somebody. Other than Mel Brooks, we have Albert Finney still. Yes. Exactly. That's it. And, of course, people recently would know if, if you're a big Bourne film, he's in the Bourne films, and he was excellent as Ed in um, Aaron Brockovich as well. So he's he's still out there acting. Um, but, I think yeah. he missed one. He's in Skyfall. <gasps> yes, of yeah. course. Yeah. Yep. It took me a while yep. to recognize him, but, yes, he's in Skyfall. I think he still looks pretty good. 
You know, I think he's I think he's aged really, really well. A bit like Charles Dance, I think he's aged very, very well because uh, well, we did a top ten of uh, what were they seductresses? Okay. To, Top, top 10 Dangerous Women of 80s Movies, and we covered uh, White Mischief, which is one of my favourite movies from the 80s. I, I love it, and it's it's based on a real story as well. But Charles That's Dance another is in, kind of under the radar that people, very few people know about. It so is, and yeah. and people would be surprised to know this all really happened, like even even bigger. Like I watched a documentary about the Happy Valley crowd, which is what – or the Happy Valley mob that they were called, and these are all the people – very um, well-off people that all went and lived in Kenya and they got up to all sorts of naughty things, dreadfully naughty things. <laughs> but uh, look, if people haven't seen White Mischief, it's very sexy. It's got Greta Skarki in it and Charles Dance and it is a very, very sexy movie, not one for the kids. But yeah, again, just a massive hidden gem. And I want to go back to a little bit about kind of what the little things that are appreciative of this movie and makes it work is – you actually feel genuine with Gene Wilder with all his character, Sigurdsson, and what he goes through. Obviously, he has a much bigger sense of who he really is. Um, he's smart, but he's too smart sometimes. And in fact, even when he's Moriarty confronts him, you're never going to be as good as your older brother. And you get this sense of defeatism, and you genuinely feel regard for him being always on the, sh- no matter what's going to happen, being a shadow of Sherlock. Yes, well, as we we get that when he's first introduced, when Orwell Saka is at his door, and he says, yeah. "Is your brother Sherlock?" and he he goes, "No," and he says, "You have a brother?" Yes, and he said, "And what would your brother's name be?" Or something? He goes, "Sheer luck." <laughs> <laughs> I never laughed so, the first time I heard that. I never laughed so hard in my life. It's like, yes, it's, it's it's so obvious of a joke, but nobody's ever t- tapped it before. Yeah. No, no, and that's the brilliance. And you can, you know, you, that's another thing. You can really tell that Gene, Gene Wilder is a big fan of the Arthur Conan Doyle Sherlock Holmes books. And and again, it's it's much like High Anxiety, which Gene Wilder wasn't in. It was Madeline Kahn and Mel Brooks. High Anxiety is one of the great parody movies of Alfred Hitchcock movies, and that's another hidden gem. But people should see that. If you're a fan of Hitchcock movies, and even if you're not, but you won't get a lot of the references, go out and see High Anxiety because it is a very, very clever, funny movie. And it's right there with this one as well. There's so many of these hidden comedy gems that really need to be known, don't they? It's hard to – High anxiety it references so many movies that it, it's enjoyable just that they make fun of them. Yeah, the, 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 obviously there's a story to it, but the, yeah, the reference of Vertigo and Psycho and you know the Rear Window and all that stuff. But yes, high anxiety. I mean, Cloris uh, Richman is just dynamite. <laughs> Nurse Diesel, those who are tardy do not get fruit cup. <laughs> And Madeline Kahn, obviously, she'd be on the phone and she's, she's undressing the teddy bear. She thinks she's getting a, a dirty phone call and she's like, you know, cheapers, Richard, I'm impressed, <laughs> which I say a lot. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, again, another very, very funny movie. But Nurse – Cloris Leachman as Nurse Diesel is just iconic and she's into the, the bondage and discipline with Harvey Corman's character who's the doctor. Right. Yeah, they have this wonderful friction tanglement relationship there yes, <laughs> yes it's, a, it's a very unique relationship but bless her heart Cloris Leachman she doesn't care about looking glamorous in that 
Like that's that's a harsh look, isn't it? She's got the big mole, no makeup. Oh yeah, she intentionally. Severe hair. Make, you know, I, you know, my mom showed me a picture of Cloris Leachman after I saw High Anxiety, and I didn't believe that's what she really looked like because she I, she made herself so horrendous, but she actually d- could. She was attractive, but she made yes. herself so horrendous for Young Frankenstein and High Anxiety that I was like, that's what she really really looks like. <laughs> I'm trying to think what her name was. Oh, Frau Blucher. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, even in eyes, she's got that thin black moustache. Yeah. You know, these women are really harsh looking and got that lovely, wonderful black moustache. But uh, all all these movies are, w- are worth checking out for sure. Um, there's an interesting, uh, even though this is a comedy, but I think Marty, uh, not Marty, but Jean was very well understood how to project drama especially of the scene and i want to reference the scene where they do the kangaroo hop and you see them do it inside the apartment then you see an outside shot so they can see the window somebody's watching them and then you see somebody who's watching somebody who's watching them and it's a wonderful train shot to set up that overall what's playing out that people are observing that's a kind of a foreshadowing throughout the whole movie Yes, and that's yeah. That's what I was saying about him being like. I was really surprised at how well directed this movie was, and he was obviously yeah. inspired by not just Mel Brooks movies, but previous other movies as well. And I'm sure he'd watched all the Sherlock Holmes movies, and it just had that lovely vibe about it throughout throughout the movie. But had the the kangaroo hop. That's a it's a, that's such a fun song to sing. I was singing it in the shower this morning. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't hopping though; otherwise, I would have tripped over. <laughs> right, I was. I was wondering. Right. <laughs> I refrained with the hopping part. <laughs> but I, I love how they 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 bring it back again right at the end of the movie. Yes. Come on and hop, hop. Come and do the kangaroo hop, hop. It's the dance for me and you. If you're over eighty, you can walk a little while. <laughs> Hopping around the parlor is the very latest style. It's it's just such a it's a hoot of a of a song, and I love every time they do sing it. Marty Filman's character stands up and does the "Come on, <laughs> right, <yes>. <laughs> <laughs> go into it." <laughs> um, before I, I so the it the one of the best scenes in the movie is when Leo Kern meets Dom DeLuise when Professor Marty meets. Um, Gambetti and Gambetti is not an opera singer, but he's the criminal mastermind around the world. And it's and my 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 co-host Dan, he actually saw this movie for the first time, like within a couple months ago. I don't know why he missed this movie. He watched it, and immediately when this scene came about, he immediately corresponded to me. Now this movie just went to the stratosphere. It went to eleven, did it? Right, yes. <laughs> and it's it's slapstick. It's fast. It's almost like a Marx Brothers bit of seeing Dom DeLuise and Leo McKern together. Oh, very much. They they just they feed off each other. I love that little joke, like when uh, Moriarty arrives and uh, uh, I completely forget Gambetti. Mm-hmm. Gambetti Gambetti is there and he's practicing his Italian for the opera, and he actually at one point dry humps the chair <laughs> while, while, he's pra- while he's practicing. And then, of course, um, uh, Moriarty's shirt comes up and he uh, wants the document and he gives Gambetti the money and Gambetti's 
counting the money and Moriarty's getting so frustrated because yeah. he doesn't want him counting the money. He actually picks up a vase and he's just, <laughs> he's just about to smash it down on Gambetti's face and Gambetti turns around and, and, and catches him and Leo McKern's character says, oh, lo- lovely vase. And, and Gambetti reaches up and squeezes his face and he goes, oh, you got a lovely face. <laughs> There's weird play with faces in this movie. You have Dom DeLuise biting Leo McKern's nose and trimming yes. his nose. You have Madeline Kahn basically ripping off Gene Wilder's upper lip throughout the movie. <laughs> yeah, she does that lip bite thing. <laughs> yes, yes. And it goes all kind of back to like juvenile play, you know, the kind of fun of it and in fact even Moriarty's gun is kind of ridiculous it's very extended long it's almost like the Joker's gun in Batman but before Batman yeah <laughs> yes and then and that's when of course all Saka at the end of the movie there comes in and he he's got a gun as well but of course it's one of those flower guns right, uh, yeah. <laughs> and he actually he's actually holding it um against uh Roy Kinnear's uh character's Nick, and that's when his character turns around and goes, I've always wanted one of those. <laughs> it's, so, it's a little cute little things like that, but it's not an immature movie. No, I, I, I want to say it's not an immature, but it, it's, it's, it's immature play that makes it funny that you can reference from your, as, you know, it's kind of like, not kid play. I can, gosh, I, I don't want to say this right. It's, it's a little bit of delinquency juvenile fun. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. and like even little things like uh, the, the the whole confusion with getting the document during the opera because that's when it's meant to be passed over, and the 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 the, the key line in the song for the document to be passed over is <laughs> what I said on Twitter today. Why don't we all drink some very sexy wine? So you got Gene Wilder's character singing it, and then you got Roy Kinnear's character singing it as well, because both of them want the document. And this is confusing uh, Gambetti massively. He doesn't know, and they just keep singing it. And so finally, uh, Roy Kinnear's character says, "Why don't we all drink?" And that's when Gambetti goes, "Shut your mouth." <laughs> I know there was a very large family function where I was under the age of 10 and I announced that and I was shut down very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're my kid, I would have laughed. I would have said, there, good. Doing movie quotes, it always gets a thumbs up from me. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the other thing. There's so many quotable things from this movie. No, especially for great movies, there's always – there's ample amount of quotable and then if you say it i know exactly where you got it from yeah that's and that's the same with high anxiety like i i pretty much you know uh, oh your father's a cocker cockers are very bright you know <laughs> i i just i just know all the lines and and it's the same with this and and as i said i hadn't seen this movie for for quite a long time i actually don't think i'd seen it since maybe the very very early 90s I know, I know that it's out on DVD. I'm not too sure about Blu-ray. The version that I watched looked fantastic. It looked like it had just been filmed yesterday. But, um, yeah, it's it's amazing how much you can remember. from. Like, I can remember what I saw more in the 80s than what I can remember what I did last week. Well, yeah, it's your young brain and it's taken in and a lot of stuff when you're younger looks phenomenal. Some, you know, and that's the weird thing about this. Sometimes you, when you're younger, you watch something and it looks great and you go back and you know, this is garbage. But this one, it still stands the test of time. I think even if it was filmed 
in any time of era, it would work very well. Yeah, I I completely agree, and I so agree with that with that that you just said. There's some things that I remember really loving in the 80s, and we've get, we only podcast Angry and I only podcast 80s movies that we loved then, and we still love now. So we have to give them a rewatch before we decide what movie. And we've had there's been a couple that we've both rewatched and gone eh. I'm not going to say what, but there's a couple that I remember, and they're quite popular 80s movies, and we just watched them again and gone, uh, it's not bad. We just didn't don't love it the same as what I remember loving it in the 80s, and so we just won't do those sort of movies because we just don't have the enthusiasm. Well, you know? I, I, can I give me one from the 80s that I really love, but I watch it and I was like, what is wrong with me? Yeah, go on. Uh, Cobra. <laughs> yeah, the Sylvester Stallone movie. Yeah. I as a kid, I thought it was the greatest thing to ever happen, and I watch it now. I was like, "What is wrong with me?" <laughs> yeah, I'll, look, I'll, I'll tell you. What, well, I don't even think we have that on our our list. Actually, now All I'm right. thinking of, we've got Tango and Cash, but we don't have Cobra. Um, one one that I remember finding really really quirky in the eighties, and I re- rewatched it. The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. Yes, yes. I I I watched it, and I thought, what. What did I, I like about this? This is a strange movie. And actually another one, and, and you don't write to me and insult me. Just write to Nick. Okay. Just write to me. <laughs> yeah, write to Nick. Send all your anger to Nick. Um, is Uncle Buck. Okay. All right. Mm. I That's very dark, actually. It is. It's not as funny as what – oh, yeah, sure. It's funny when John Candy tells her to, you know, go into town and get a rat and all that mole off her face. That's – but – Really, the rest of it is not that funny. It's very dark. It was surprisingly dark, and I don't think people under you know they have a nostalgia for it. But they go back. It's the the daughter and the mom, and it's all about them's relationship. Yeah, the, the daughter's just exhausting. And I know a lot of teenage girls can be like that. I probably was like a bit like that in my teenage years. Right. But there's a there's an attempted rape scene in that movie. I'd forgotten all about that. Yeah, and the that Uncle Boss. Uncle Buck's relationship is very not not very good at all, and he's a compulsive gambler, you know. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So I uh, yeah, rewatching it, and and I was so relieved when Angry called me. I said, "Did you rewatch Uncle Buck?" And he said, "Yes." And I said, "Should we should we mark that off the podcast list?" And he said, "Yes." And I went, yeah, "Okay, good." <laughs> and it's not. We do very dark films. We've done Blue Velvet. Um, uh, we've done we've done a couple of quite full on, you know, Scarface. We've done some really. On, but so that's not the issue. The issue is, do we love it again? Right, right, and and especially for like you know Scarface, that's intentional, and you know what you're getting into. And I think people think it's going to be light banter when you see Uncle Buck, and it's not going to be light banter when I, you see it. Go watch. No, it, go watch Great Outdoors. Yeah, that's a great one. That's a great one. But I'd have to say one of my favourites, I mean, the minute John Candy gets hooked up with Steve Martin, it's just golden. Planes, Trains and Automobiles mm. to me. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's such a very, very perfect movie because yeah. you're, la- you're laughing, but you're also re-watching it. And I, I probably watch it once a year because I just love that movie. There's a lot of humour in it, but there's also a look quite, like at the end, I cry every single time. At the end of Planes, oh. Trains, and Automobiles, when he's he's still there at the train station, yes. and every everything sort of tweaks, and and Steve Martin's character goes back to get Dell, 
and yeah, I, I just ooh, it's 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 happy tears. But so that's you, a, that's a great one. So you're not crying in the beginning of the movie when Kevin Bacon missed the taxi. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. I can hold it together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go, Ke- go ahead, Kevin. Make quick silver. I'll see you later. Yeah, that's it. Off, off you trot. And I should actually say, and I'm just going, going to give it another plug. We actually had, um, when we started the podcast, it was the same year that we lost Gene Wilder. So we had to quickly come up with what's it? What's an eighties movie with Gene Wilder? And and one of our favourites was The Woman in Red. So we have actually podcasted The Woman in Red, and that's an, and that's when he met his wife, not Kelly LeBrock, because Kelly LeBrock is in that. Yes. <laughs> You like Kelly LeBrock, it's worth seeing that movie just for that. But that is a very, very funny movie. And uh, he he met his – I've got a complete brain block. Rita. Gilda. Gilda. That's it. Gilda. Yeah. So, so they'd worked together previously on other films, but they actually made it official working on The Woman in Red. Right. Uh, Gene Wilder went on to direct and write other movies, Woman in Red Shoe, right? That's the name of it? Woman in Red. Woman in Red and then Haunted Honeymoon. Um, there's another one I'm missing, but he went on to direct four more movies. And then he went on to do a lot of other movies with Richard Pryor. So yes. I think there's about yep. four movies with him and Richard Pryor that um, are just dynamite. I mean, they work so well. They're such a – they're so different. And that's what I think, you know, opposites attract and that's what makes it work is Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. Yeah, well, that's. I'm just looking it up now. So he did. Um, uh, so he, uh, 19, 1979 did the Frisco Kid, then Sunday Lovers, Stir Crazy. Yes, uh, it's very popular. Hanky Panky. I don't think that did too well. Woman in Red didn't do well at the time. Haunted Honeymoon, I think, was a bit of a flop. And then, of course, he did See No Evil, Hear No Evil. Now that did very, very well. Uh, he was also a writer on that. And then in 1990, Funny About Love, and 1991, Another You. And I think that was the last movie he did. But, but you look back now and you think, well, you know, obviously he started with Mel Brooks in The Producers, which, again, is just a fantastic, very funny movie as Leo Bloom. Yeah, where, the hell, body- we go, where the hell we go right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> little old ladies. Um, he was in Body and Clyde. He did have a little bit part in Body and Clyde before that, but this is when he had an actual starring role. And of course, he was Willy Wonka in Willy Wonka in the in the Chocolate Factory. But you know, Blazing Saddles didn't do well at the box office. Young Frankenstein didn't do well at the box office. This movie actually didn't do too badly. I did look up. It was made for two point eight million, and it made twenty million. So that's not too bad, really. No, it's actually a surprise. I, And it's funny that out of all the movies that he's known for, this one that actually was excess makes money and people f- don't really know much about him. No, he's a, that's the thing. There's sort of an air of, always been an air of mystery. I know he did some quite a bit of TV as well. He did quite a lot of stage work. A lot of these actors have, pretty much all of them. I think Leo McKern's done stage work, Roy Kinnear, uh, John Le Monsieur. All of them have, have done done their time on stage. Right. I think if you go back and I think if you Google it, there is a TV show he tried to do in the 90s here in America, and it, it didn't go very well. And I think they only had six episodes in before it's canceled. I don't know remember the name of it, but he tried to do television before uh, – even he, in fact, I think he tried to do television before Gilda Randa, Gilda Ranner passed away. Right. I think he was definitely in uh, – from 2002 to 2003, he was in Will and Grace. 
he was Mr. Stein. What? Before that, he... Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I watched this show. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go. Oh, yeah, I, I, I love Will and Grace. I haven't watched the new um, Will and Grace. I haven't watched the new one because I just... I'm, I, I like the old one. I don't know why. I, I like the old one. I don't want to start a new... Same. And, and same with the rest of development as well. Yeah. Right. I just like I just like remembering the original, you know. Right. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. No. Um in fact, I don't know it, yeah, have you ever seen Haunted Honeymoon? It's a nice projection. I and it didn't very very well, but it, it's Gene Wilder directed, but it's a nice it's Gil Renna's last movie. She passed away after the movie was made, but it's a nice homage basically to her. Oh, I think that's nice. And I think Dom DeLuise was in that as well. Yes, he's the aunt. So, yeah, so they've, they've, they've all got very used to working with each other and they all loved working together and you can feel it in, in the movies that they all had fun. When you watch Young Frankenstein, when you watch Blazing Saddles, you can tell they all had a, such a great time working together. There was no negative energy or anything like that. And, you know, I've watched a documentary about Mel Brooks because I'm just I'm such a huge Mel Brooks fan. I won't talk about his more recent movies. Um, when, when do you, when, in your opinion, did did his movies start to not be so great? Well, I'm not a fan of Mel Brooks's Life Stinks. Oh God, no! <laughs> oh, that movie stinks, and I don't like Robin, right. Robin Hood, uh, Men in Tights. And I know no. a lot of people might. I know people love his parody on Star Wars. Yeah, Spaceballs. Spaceballs, but yeah. um, there's funny bits in it. But I think there was there was some kind of magic chemistry when he was working with the likes of Madeline Kahn and Gene Wilder and all those people. And I think when it went on to Spaceballs, it was a whole new cast of people. Right. Um, obviously, Rick Moranis and, and John Candy are fantastic in it. Very, very funny. No, and there's there, funny there, bits in it. There's bits of it that's hilarious, but overall, it doesn't encapsulate you like this movie does. Yeah, ex- yeah, that's it. That's exactly right. It seems that, yeah, if that for me was when, like, I enjoyed History of the World, but of course he still had uh, a lot of the actors he'd previously worked with. Madeline Kahn's hilarious in that movie. That was her last movie with Mel Brooks, and I think it was just the changing of the guards. And uh, look, younger people would probably say they appreciate probably his later movies more. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's a generation thing. I don't know, but to to me. Yeah, I think he, the last really funny one was History of the World, and that's 80, so we'll be podcasting that one really soon. Yeah. Oh, you, you will? Oh, well, 15, yep. 15 commandments, and then... <laughs> Ten! Ten commandments for all to see. <laughs> us, us Jews are so poor, we only have one guy. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to do the stand-up philosopher thing when he's getting getting his money from B. Arthur, but I can't, because he's got to swear. <laughs> Well, I, I know it references Young Frankenstein, but I want to get it out before we're done. Um, Gene Wilder wrote the script for Young Frankenstein with Mel, Grips, Mel Brooks helping a little bit. And there was a scene where they were going to do the um, the stand-up bit, uh, the stage act of putting on the Ritz, right? Gene Wilder. Yes, with Peter Boyle. <laughs> this is very famous. It, it wasn't well-known probably to about after Gene Wilder died that Mel Brooks talked about it and Gene put it in there he just inserted that we're going to do this skit of of Frankenstein's monster and and him 
doing the skit of putting on the Ritz. And Mel Brooks like, no, this is not going to work. It's going to cut every nobody. You're going to fracture everybody. It's not going to work. And the Mel Brooks stay, said, and um, they spent ten uh, ten minutes arguing about this to wow. the point to the point where Mel Brooks like, okay, we're done. We'll put it in the movie. And Gene's like, really? That's all? He goes, you fought for it for 10 minutes. That means you really mean, you really want this in there. That's all I wanted was. <laughs> and now it's iconic, isn't it? Right. Put, and, it, put it on the ridge. <laughs> and and, and you, Mel's kind, kind of right. He fought for it for 10 minutes. You know, if, if it didn't work, you'd be kind of like after, yeah, you're right. You know, it doesn't work. But you fought for it for ten minutes. It's gotta work. You know it's gonna work. Let's do it. And there's something and he was about, right. Yeah, there's something about Mel's charisma and understanding of comedy that if you 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 gotta go with your gut. And he's trying to tell people and encourage people, you gotta go with your gut. And whether you fight for it, that means you know what you're right, even though people say you're wrong. That well, that's he. I mean, he he cast as I said, Gene Wilder in the producers, and so they knew each other very well. They were very, very, very good friends. And Mel Brooks seems like the kind of director that he trusts his cast to do what they do best. Yes, and and I and I remember with Young Frankenstein, there was actually a lot of you know going off the cuff <laughs> as well because if if it was funny, leave it in. You know, that's the whole thing. If if someone's doing something brilliant. That that is hilarious, even if it's not in the script. Just let them go with it, and and I think that's that's the kind of director Mel Brooks was, and that's why he got such great performances right. out of people. Um, and I, it's funny thinking of Young Frankenstein. I always forget Gene Hackman's in that as the wide wise old yeah, the, man. Yeah, the blind the blind guy. <laughs> Everybody seems to forget that Gene Hackman is in there, and actually, he's pretty funny. He's very funny. He do, he does do he does do comedy really well. I mean, what a great actor Gene Hackman was. He's obviously retired now, but what a great great actor. <laughs> I've, I've actually started, I've started a trend on Twitter because you know how when a really famous actor or musician passes away, and then all of a sudden there's the, the outpouring from people. <laughs> I'm starting it before they die. I'm I'm looking at all the actors. <laughs> That are, that are older, and I'm giving I'm giving praise to them. I did Richard Dreyfuss the other day. Um, I've got to do Gene Hackman, Sean Connery. Uh, I'm just I'm thinking of all the people that I'm thinking. It's too late once they're in the ground. No, so, yeah. So why not? And we should all do that. We should all give praise to all these great actors. If you love them, give them praise now, because you know once they're gone, they're gone. I I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> I, especially, you know, the most one of the most underrated actors is Gene Hackman. Yeah, yeah. I I agree, and I know that. Well, that's going to be a full on. We're podcasting at the end of the year, Mississippi Burning. <laughs> oh, you be are the last night. Yeah. Oh, yep. you know, yeah. you get you get Gene Hackman, you get Gene Hackman and William Dafoe in a movie. I'm going to see it. Oh, it's it's such a good movie, and it's it's not an easy watch. It is it is a really difficult watch, but you know you can't always just watch, you know, fun funny, cool movies. That you know, it's good to watch a film that sort of opens your eyes because this was it was based on a true case. No, it is. It, I don't think anybody. It is a true story that happened. Yeah. Yep, but yeah, that's 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 going to be an interesting podcast. But we'll just try to keep it uh, not too not too 
full on, <laughs> not too full on. But yeah, that's that's a good challenge. We do like that as well. But it's, I mean, he's such a good. And then you've got him in the bird cage. Hilarious performance. Plays it completely straight. But you know, to, to see Gene Hackman at the end of a movie in drag. <laughs> Actually, that's. that's I'm, I'm glad he did it. it. I'm glad he did it. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. It's a it's a good sport, and you should you should um start doing top tens because you could do the top ten movies with men in drag. Oh well, it's got to be Jack Lemmon. Oh, for sure, number one, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you could actually you could actually do a list of the best men in drag movies like Robin Williams. And Mrs. Doubtfire, etc., or Dustin Hoffman in Tootsie, yeah. and you could do the worst. Like Kurt Russell as a woman is not a good look. Same with Patrick Swayze. Robert De Niro did it too, and I can't remember the name of the movie. Philip Seymour Hoffman was in it. I I don't remember the name of the movie, but yes, even Robert De Niro has done women. Was that the political movie? I I can't remember what the name of it. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Robert De Niro in the movie together. I think if you Google it, you can find the title. I just can't remember it off my head. But yeah, they did a movie together, and then Sean Penn's done it too. I can't remember the name of that movie. I, but oh yes, I, I do. I do. Yeah, I do remember him in drag. But I'm trying to think of the movie. I've got Google sitting here. I don't know why. I just can't. I, <laughs> okay. That's what happens when you watch so many movies. You you know what happened. You just can't. The, yeah, too many wheels. Um, <laughs> well, but we do encourage everyone to watch lots of movies, don't we, Nick? Yes, gosh, yes. Um, we're almost running out of time. So, uh, before we go, any last little things about young uh, their their Sherlock Holmes smarter brother movie that you want everybody to know about? Uh, look, I think we've pretty much covered it. Uh, I'd, I'd love to sing all the songs. I've already tried, attempted to. <laughs> during it's hard the to say this is a comedy, and it's a, actually could be a musical. I just called it a musical comedy. Gosh, yeah. It sums it up. It's a musical comedy. It's goofy. Everyone's fantastic in it, and it it is. No matter what style of sense of humor you have, I think if you just if you've got a sense of humor, you will laugh at this movie because there's just so many very funny, clever scenes in it. And of course, you know, I, I just hail Madeline Kahn. I love I, I loved her. I'm going to send out a challenge for people who've never seen it and going to go see it after this podcast to not recite lines after you see it the next day. Oh, the challenge is on. <laughs> <laughs> So I want to say thank you for Gidget. Her podcast is Retro Cinema. You can follow her on Twitter. Uh, what's the Twitter handle? I can't. Gosh, I you know I. Well, I I have my own Twitter account at Gidget von the Rue, but basically I tweet about reality shows and stuff. So you don't want to follow that one. So just head over to the Retro Cinema Podcast Twitter account. Yes. If you can find us on every player possible, so just Google the Retro Cinema podcast and it's angry man and myself Gidget von LaRue and we're up to nearly about 70 up to about 70 podcasts now so as I said we only podcast 80s movies we loved back then and still love now we do a couple of top tens we do top tens at the end of each month and if it's a really big movie like aliens or Scarface or Blade Runner we do a two-part podcast because I really we try to keep it within an hour and I don't think you can squeeze talking about Blade Runner into an hour, do you? No, if you, especially if you do the director's cut. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what we did. We did the director's cut. So we're like, there's, there's just so much information that you need to get out there and you want to give 
adequate praise to these movies. So, yeah, we've done a lot of two-parters as well, and they seem to do quite well, so it's good. So I want to send a, thank you for Gidger coming on. My gosh, we have to do this again. Oh, please. It's been an absolute honor, Nick. And, yeah. you know, as we were saying to each other on Twitter, it's just so fun, like-minded people talking about the things that we love, which is movies. Yes, it's wonderful that movies actually bring everybody together. It's it's it's, it's a wonderful medium that I don't think it's, it's ever going to go, go away. No, and and from from what I read on Twitter, it also tears people apart, especially especially if it's a superhero movie, oh, <laughs> Star Wars movie. Um, but yeah, it is one of those things, and that's another thing. That, uh, we've been podcasting for about two years, and the people in the podcast world, everyone's just so lovely. It's such a really, it's just a big family, and we're really enjoying it. And it's and then I get to meet a wonderful person like you, Nick. So yeah, I'm very glad I started podcasting. So, yes, we'll have to definitely do it again. We have to pick a movie. Maybe we'll do the Pink Panther. We have to pick another movie we'll talk about. But uh, thanks for coming on, Gidget. And um, please, uh, when anything else, you have the last word. Well, it's been an absolute honor. Please, people, go out and see The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, Smarter Brother. Find it however you can and watch it and, and get back to Nick or get back to myself and tell us what you think. But I'll get uh, Colonel to make a couple of very funny gifts and uh, I'll put them online as well. And, yeah, and thanks. thanks. Oh, it's such, such a pleasure being on your podcast. I love your podcast. And please, people, check out Nick and Vince's previous episodes as well. I loved uh, Godfather. Oh, Great podcast. Who doesn't love Godfather? Uh, it's, uh, do you know, uh, and I am going to throw him under the bus. My partner hasn't seen it. <gasps> I know. I know. That's I know. That's a major violation. I know. I, I, need to, I need to overdose him with something that he can't move and put him on the couch and, and go, right, well, you need to watch. Please make him watch it before we do our podcast on part two. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I will, I promise. I will, I will threaten not feeding him or something, and he'll have to watch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Gidget. Have a wonderful time. Uh, that's it. Can't come back.